I felt the eye roll right before I felt the smack on my head as my mother's palm connected with my cheek. She looked at me and she said, so if so-and-so told you to go jump off of a bridge, would you do it? And I stood there scared to say anything, but fuming inside as my mother made the quintessential question known to me. Are you going to be a follower or are you going to be a leader? This is Michelle Spive and I want to welcome you to Wisdom Smack. Today, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into what it takes to be a self-disciplined leader of yourself. So stick around and I'll see you on the flip. Today, I want to talk about pom-poms and cake. Yeah, and guess what? I'm not talking about the celebratory kind. There is a saying that the um, uh, that the the hip people have today uh, in these streets <laughs> that uh, when when they're trying to say that you, that you are standing, meaning that you are uh, super excited and you are past fandom to the point where you are willing to fight for your person, they say um, you're uh, you're you're out here holding the pom poms for someone, meaning that you're cheering for them. Or you're caking for someone, meaning that you're baking them a cake. And so today, I really kind of want to talk about pom-poms and cake. And I I guess I kind of also want to talk a little bit about the fact that (sighs) there's another saying. All your folk ain't your kinfolk. So let's get into this and unpack this. Um... I'm looking at um, how divisive um, a lot of things are in our society right now. Now, this is nothing new under the sun. And I've talked about how everything is cyclic and how things come around and go around. But right now, everybody is uh, it's kind of like a, a, a global dodgeball standoff where people are picking teams, choosing names and going after each other. And you're either team this or team that. Um, You are pom-pomming and caking for your particular person. And it's kind of gotten to the point where it, it has to reach a boiling point or a breaking point, I should say, real soon. And so looking at what we have going on right now, I was taken aback because if my mother were alive to see this today, she would be shaking her head and probably making commentary on this and asking people, have you not, you know, remembered your home training? You know, the incident that I I, I talked about on the um, intro, I had done something, um, and I was not, I was not a little kid. I was in, I think I was in high school when this happened. I had done something and I knew it was stupid. And I was praying my mother wouldn't find out about it because I was hanging out with a friend. And this friend was a couple of years older than me. And of course she didn't like my grandma, my, my, excuse me, my mom didn't like that because she was like, 
don't rush your youth. Don't try to always hang out with the older kids. And so, yes, we ended up going to a party and I can't remember all the details, but my mom found out about it and I was trying to defend myself by defending my friendship and my mother had had it. And she was like, look, if she told you to go, go jump off a bridge, off of a bridge, would you do it? And I knew that I wouldn't, but I knew that I didn't want to um, agree with my mom. And growing up, my mother uh, and my grandparents who helped raise us, she she would always tell us what her goal was. And she said, my goal is to make sure that you are a leader of yourself. She says, you don't have to try to lead anybody else. Just lead yourself. So much so that to this day, I have this mentality of being a leader of one, of being responsible for myself. You know, my mom taught us the difference between rulership, rulership, governance, and self-governance. She was really into understanding the social dynamics based kind of because of um, her training and her, her career path. But she was really into getting us to understand our civic understanding of our lives as well as our personal duty to self. She would say things like, um, don't be a follower, be a leader. And I mean, I remember um, us asking her, well, how do you know if you're a leader? And she would say things that sounded flippant, but now it's just straight up wisdom. She would say, if you get up and go somewhere and people follow you, you're a leader. She said, but also if you get up and go somewhere and they don't follow you, and you end up in a better place, you're still a leader. And I was just like, oh, that makes no sense. Um, but my mother was, she, she, she would tell, she says I, I, she says, I did not birth a follower, I birthed a leader. And for her, that term was kind of like having an internal North Star or your own moral compass that you obeyed no matter what. And she would say, you know, if everybody is jumping off the bridge, does that mean you're going to do it too? And I would hate when she would ask that question because of course I wouldn't do that. But it was also a conviction of showing me that that's exactly what my actions were saying that I would do. So much so that I remember when I went to college, um, I became a resident assistant because of all of these years of training my mother, my grandmother, my grandfather had poured into me to help me to be able to navigate this world with my own mind and my own ability to think for myself. I remember going and looking at other young ladies around my age when I Uh, my first time away from home and in school in the dormitories and I would see how they would just follow and I could see it in their eyes they didn't want to do the stuff that everybody else was doing but they didn't they didn't have um the experience and the exposure of going it alone and being okay and I was just amazed at how many girls um because I lived in a girls dormitory how many girls uh, our first year didn't make it through that year because of not being a leader of themselves and falling into being a follower and throwing the pom-poms and baking the cakes 
for the obvious leaders. Now, of course, we can look at peer pressure and we can look at the the young person's mind and all that kind of stuff, but that ain't this podcast, not today. Today, I just really want to get down to the nitty gritty of some of the stuff that wisdom is trying to smack us on on the head. And it's kind of like we're in this, um, we're past groupthink. I, I really believe it. I, I believe that for the most part, a lot of us have been lulled into a, um, a hysteria, uh, a silent hysteria, <laughs> where uh, we are so engrossed in uh, the happenings of everybody's life that we don't know how to lead ourselves. We don't know how to be content with what business we have going on here. I'm going to probably do a separate podcast about this. And this, the, um, the subject I'm talking about is schadenfreude, uh, where people derive pleasure out of the downfall or the demise of other people, because that's really prevalent in this situation as well. You, you know, it's kind of like the Bible saying, you know, like on one day, down the Villa Della Rosa, they were cheering Christ. The next day they were like, crucify him, crucify him. And that's the same thing that's happening today. And they actually have a name for it. They're calling it the cancel culture. You do one mess up. And I'm telling you right now, Twitter is the Assassin's Creed in persona, honey. Twitter is taking down people every day. I am, when I go to Twitter, my, my, I get nervous because I'm like, I don't want to type anything in Twitter because Twitter is, is, um, um, reaping lives like the Grim Reaper around here. It's just vicious. You say something, you think you're okay. You turn around and the next day you have been canceled (laughs) and they are coming for you. And it's just crazy. But getting back to pump pumps and cake. Okay, I'm going to keep it on this side because like I said, I'll talk about schadenfreude on another day uh, and my observations on how uh, it is, how, how contagious it is and addictive it is and how it can erode a lot of the stuff that we're, you're trying to do, especially if you're moving into uh, what the times call for today. And that is to be self-sufficient, to be able to take care of yourself, to maintain your mental health status and all of that. So like I said, I'll just do that on a different day. But um, for today, I want to talk about this pom-poms and cake, you know, how we are so ready to be labeled and sorted. Um, I kind of blame Harry Potter when I think about this, because it was that daggum sorting hat. Everybody got excited. I mean, when J.K. Rowling came out with those different houses, I remember everybody wanted to be in Huffendor and, um, you know, then you had your Slytherins and um, all your different, uh, not all, you did, the, the four different houses. And, and it was just amazing because people were finally able to find a tribe and an identity that was cool. And, um, you know, getting the robes. Now, I didn't do all that, but, you know, getting getting the robes and the colors for the different um, houses and where people would just see the colors of the of the shawl that you would wear. And they knew, oh, OK, that's 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 how you vibe. That's how you you know, you do. And, and so people kind of get enamored and even charmed a little bit at being able to belong so much so that our vocabulary started uh, to change. And um, there is this um, he's he's deceased, but he was a um, 
American um, philosopher, and I want to say his name was Tim McLeary. Um, uh, and he he said something that was profound. Uh, I listened to one of his tapes where he was talking about, now he did psychedelics, that's not what this podcast is about today either but he just I just wanted to bring up something that he said he said when uh he said we're now living in a time where it is the expansion of thought consciousness and subconsciousness that are the new frontiers I totally agree with this I've been saying this for a while and to hear somebody else say it that I'm not attached to in any kind of way was just amazing but he went on to say and we do that by our evolution of what we say And he gave the example. He said uh, prior to the 60s, um, the idea of an ego trip did not exist because no one had coined it. No one had said it. He says, so new realities are now built by the phrasings and the terms we use. And so cancel culture today, meaning that you cancel someone now. I wanted to to bring this this part up because it's so fascinating to look and see that this exists um, technologically. People are assassinating people. Uh, not I, I'm not talking about the hardcore hackers that'll just go and list you as deceased. <laughs> You know, and all your records, you know, they're still trying to figure out how to overcome that. Yes, they actually have um, hackers who will technically kill you. And I'm going to tell you when a death certificate has been filed and all this other stuff and you're still alive, but all this stuff is in the computer. It's really hard for people to make you undead again. I I thought that was fascinating as well. But I digress. Let me get back on to these pom-poms and cake, honey. So we now have this culture where people are uh, wanting to stand for um, a tribe or or a group. We're we're wanting to belong loud and proud, almost like never before. But the thing is, is we're, we're wanting to do it digitally. I'm talking about uh, peoples and movements that never physically are in contact or never physically see one another in proximity. It's all done over the internet and it is becoming real vicious. Um, You know, and and going back to the terminology, so like you have the stands, you know, uh, the people who uh, cake for, if you will, uh, this celebrity or, or, or that blogger or whatever. And then you also have the people who uh, associate with and um, uh, try to, and I don't want to say they want to emulate them, but they use words like um, auntie as a term of endearment, you know, auntie Riri, you know, for Rihanna and what she's doing in the beauty movement, uh, politicians and um, people of of notability uh, that they are, are interested in. And it is um, very weird. Yeah. It's very weird because I am a child that came up during the time when the internet was becoming a thing. And so I'm old enough but young enough to know both sides where growing up, you had to actually have interpersonal skills with people. You had to actually interact with them and you did not have a smartphone at, you know, to keep you engaged. You had to actually look people in the face and interact with them and figure out a way to make nice. And it was 
and I'm not going to say it was totally different, but it was a different level um, where you didn't just necessarily um, go all out for uh, supporting someone. Um, I want to talk about a, a quick little um, part that I've studied extensively uh, because of uh, my you know, my occupation of, uh, being an author and being a coach and, um, an inspiration architect for people and all those types of things. And that is the concept of para psychology or, or para social psychology. And that's just a fancy term for saying that when it's a fan psychology, a fan culture, so people can know about you online. And what they will do is they will try to find out as much about you as they can. And the more they learn about you, the more that in their mind, they're a friend of yours. And so it's a one-sided friendship, a one-sided relationship. And so that's when I'm talking about pom-poms and cake, I'm, I'm including that parasocial psychology re, um, relationship where it's one-sided. I mean, there are people out there that you probably don't even know exist, but to them, you're their best friend. You're their auntie. They're on your team and they will cut someone over you. And so that's a new phenomenon that has uh, come about. And the, uh, the reason why I'm even uh, delving into it is because it gets to be a little weird when you show up somewhere. I, I've done signings for books and stuff and or I've had to go speak somewhere and I show up and because people have listened to me on other podcasts or they've uh, been in a training of mine or they've read all my books for a certain pen name, they feel like they know me and they're talking to me and asking me intimate questions and I don't even know who this person is, not the faintest clue. They've, they've even, a lot of times they even forget to tell you their name. They just start talking like we are fast and, and friendly, honey. Um, and it, it's quite off putting. Um, I'm able to rebound really quickly. And because I have been so interested in studying this, I'm better able to, um, put a name on what's happening. So it doesn't throw me, it doesn't throw me for a loop, you know? So there's that. Um, but on the other side, it's still fascinating in how people are willing to follow people to the ends of the earth on such shallow and thin premises. Like I said, if my mom was alive today and she saw this, she would be like, what the what? <laughs> you know, it would just make no sense to her. Now, with that being said, I did a... Um, I did a podcast recently talking about the hidden things, seeing the hidden. Uh, I've also talked about the invisible to the invisible and uh, my love of being an observer so that I can see things uh, in my invisibility cloak that are also invisible to other people. So I guess you can see themes here uh, that I'm an observer of um, humanity as well. Now, I don't I don't just observe. I, per I participate, but I, I'm an observer. And one of the things that I see going on with this pom-pom and caking for people and choosing sides and um, being kind of, kind of aggressive about who you are a fan of as opposed to someone else is that I see uh, it's kind of like sleight of hand. If P.T. Barnum was 
alive today? Oh, he would say these are humbugs all over the place. That was his term for um, uh, getting uh, over on someone or, or pulling a fast one or uh, a scheme. He called them humbugs. And uh, he would say, oh, this is, you know, this is humbugs. Because it's kind of like, wow, everybody is so concerned with a a quote unquote feud between celebrities or this camp against this camp real deep stuff is happening and it's happening it's getting to be so blatant now that I am like trying to point and say do you guys see this this is not conspiracy do you actually see what's going on this is craziness um for instance uh and I I, this is not a political um podcast at all um so with that with with me clarifying and saying that i'm just going to say this that a lot of the stuff that is happening in different factions and camps has nothing to do with what everybody thinks it has to do with it's not it is a long-term strategy to um get something done uh if you have time or if you fancy this go and look up the term overton window and to surmise it it's where uh someone puts something out that is way far off off of the bell curve so that when they do give the agenda that they wanted that was already outside of what the norm is today in relation to how far-fetched something else is it doesn't seem that bad or in another way, let me let me explain it this way for Overton window or the concept thereof. Uh, say, for instance, you go to a um, winery and you're in the in the store and you see these uh, exquisite bottles of wine and they have the price displayed there and the price is thousands of dollars and you're like oh they're beautiful they're they're wonderful and they let you taste them and everything and and, you know and they're like oh they want me to buy this expensive bottle of wine but i'm not doing it so they're like okay and then they lead you to another room and they've got some fairly nice bottles in there as well and on the top shelf they've got some bottles that are in the hundreds they let you taste those and they say you see these are nice and they tell you about the tannins and all this kind of stuff now you guys I'm making this up because I don't drink and I don't drink wine. So if, if I say the wrong stuff, just giggle with me and keep going. Don't crucify me for it. Remember, this is I'm not trying to get you to pom pom and cake for me today. I'm just trying to tell my little story. So, you know, going back to this next room where this the 200 or 300 dollar bottles of wine, they let you taste it. And so they continue their tour and they bring you into another room where uh in that room they uh tell you about the wines in here and on the top shelf they have the wines that are in like the hundred dollar range and they let you taste those but then right on the next shelf they have the bottles of wine that are in the um 90 to 100 dollar range and they let you taste them and they tell you see how close these taste to the 100 the 200 dollar and the 300 dollar wines you know we know that you're not you're not necessarily going to get the 2000 dollar wine or even the 300 dollar wine but see how close these taste you're getting a bargain and so 
Instead of you buying the $5 grocery store wine, you think you have gotten a bargain buying that $99 bottle of wine because they have pre-framed and set you up with the absurdity of a $3,000 bottle of wine such that the $100 bottle or near close to $100 bottle of wine seems very feasible and very plausible. And so that's what the Overton window means in society of how uh, the powers that be do the absurd to get people prepped to move them to um, a new area, a a new place. And I'm going to be talking about new and next and never befores and and how that impacts us um, uh, in in some future podcasts. Uh, but But for today... I want to say that while everybody is pom-poming and whole and baking cakes for people and standing for folks and picking sides and what house are you in, what sorting hat, who am I, and all of these identities and stuff, there is a lot going on. It's kind of like watch the birdie. And it's a sleight of hand going on where we have to kind of like be willing to to go deeper. We have to be willing to uh, do more. And so I want to bring up something uh, that uh, Seth Godin talks about in one of his books. And I don't have the book ready. Oh, my gosh. I forgot to get the name of it. But I, I want to say it's his latest. It's his latest book. But he talks about dominance and affiliation. Uh, as um, a way to interact. Now he's talking about marketing, but I see this and not just business, but in relationship as well. Where you have dominance, dominance means that this is the, um, the society or the person who is all about hacking, all about hustle, all about getting stuff done and all of this. And um, it's uh, very... Uh, task-oriented, results-oriented, and it's all about um, producing. Uh, you you know you're having that situation where um, you know people are like let's get after it you know they're warriors they're all this and all that and there's nothing wrong with that nothing at all it really isn't Um, but that that dominance side it is about um, winning it's, it's about um, coming out on top. Um, I had a podcast where I talked about being on the other side of the coin and, and how that's not a bad thing. And it's just part of life and get the lesson and, you know, get on from it. Um, but when you have this this uh, dominance, it's almost like a, a transactional type of relationship. Whereas you can also or you should have affiliation. Now, before I leave dominance, let me just say this. So when people are choosing sides and they're caking for this person um, and holding the pom-poms for them and everything, it's still a form of dominance because what they're trying to say is our side wins. We are the better fans. We know um, our person better than you do. Right now, there is a um, invasion, a, a Korean pop invasion uh, to rival the uh, British invasion uh, of the 60s going on. And the fans of these groups are one in particular. They call themselves the army and uh, they are hardcore 
And they are out to show the world that they are the epitome of the perfect fan. Um, They have a subculture where they choose their favorites from this group and they know all the things about them. And they have these parasocial um, psychological relationships and it's great and all of that. And I don't want to take the sugar out of their cake, but I'm like, you do realize that this is this particular country's form of soft power. They give you something that's palatable and enjoyable, and therefore you have a a, a propensity to want to continue to work with them or uh, be in good graces. So this is kind of like uh, part of their... And I'm not saying that the government is sponsoring them. I'm just saying that it can be conceived as that. But when the fans are out there caking for these these, uh, pop idols and stuff, that's the last thing they're thinking of. But that's really kind of what's going on underneath Overton Window um, and and the like. You know, and so being... And like I said, I don't don't want everybody to, you know, be out there with a magnifying glass trying to look at everything. Live your life. But don't live your life in a vacuum where you're so busy looking at see the birdie that you can't see what's really going on. And so in all your pom-poming and caking, (laughs) what I would like to say is don't necessarily always be on 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 um, a team or whatever. Be willing to walk the middle. Uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, polarity, polarizing, and how um, to, um, to uh, the um, I don't want to say the uh, attributes of being in the middle, but I, I think I probably would go so far as to say that as part of an exercise that I have been doing from time to time, and it's been proving very interesting. But that's for another podcast. Today, I want to just say this. Going back to what I was talking about with Seth Godin, and he had dominance and he had affiliation. Affiliation is the side where it is a we concept of tribe. And I wanted to bring this up because that's where you seek to be in sync with people who share like dreams, aspirations, and and the like. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because in our um, cake, pom-pom, stan, uh, super fan um, lifestyle today, we have both of these sides and both of them can go to the extremes. And I'm just trying to, you know, call it out. I want to fancy myself as a person who is a leader, uh, a leader of myself and who is not willing to go off the bridge just because everybody else is. And so this is just kind of like my wink, wink, wake up call to say, step back and take a look at what you're doing. Are you willing to be a leader of one, a leader of just yourself? Or are you willing to follow everybody else off the bridge and just become another one of the people in the crowd? So that's what I wanted to say. This has been Michelle Spiva. If you have liked this, please like, uh, subscribe, and comment. And to support this podcast, please consider doing your Amazon shopping needs by using our affiliate link, which is at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. So I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great one. Thank you. Bye.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. This has been Michelle Spiva. Thank you so much for joining me. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and even comment on some of the Wisdom Smacks you have going on in your life. And or even if there's something we talked about today that you especially enjoyed. And don't forget to pass it on and share. I'll talk to you later. See you on the next time with Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. Bye.